Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I am Doc Herbert. This is Dylan Short. Welcome to the first ever Platinum Sombrero Periscope Live. We hope everybody is doing well. Dylan, are you doing well? I'm doing quite well. I'm uh, a little sore, a little tired, but... Doing well. Yeah? Why don't you tell everybody why you're sore? Well, dummy me decided, hey, I'm going to go lift weights again, which I haven't done since I was, you know, in college. Um, decided, you know what? I'll be fine. Let's just jump right back into it. No stretching, no nothing. Turns out I'm old, folks. And um, my muscles are telling me, hey, not a good idea. So I could probably use an ice bath, um, <laughs> maybe a couple Valium. Few, few different things. Whatever you can. Yeah. I mean, what, whatever can be done to um, make me not feel anything, because I kind of feel like I'm dying. You guys already know the um, the gray hair situation that happened last week. So, um, not last week, a couple weeks ago with Ben Chase. So, uh, this could be the end. You're getting old as hell, man. I am. It gets it gets harder the older you get. I'm telling I'm you. I'm almost 30. You poor bastard. You poor, poor bastard. <laughs> Alright guys, so we promised that we were going to wind up taking some uh, some mailbag questions. Thank you so much for everybody who submitted some questions. Uh, we are going to go ahead and dive right in here, but while I'm pulling up the first round of questions, I was curious, you watched the game last night, Braves versus Blue Jays, the second game we recorded yesterday, and we've been talking about how the offense struggled, and they kind of turned it on <laughs> last night. That's what this Braves team can always do, man. I mean, whatever struggle they're in, we know the talent they've got on it, and it's not going to be... It's not going to be long for any protracted stretch where they just can't hit. It's just what they do. So, was I shocked at it? No, it was the Blue Jays. They had, what, like a rookie pitcher on the mound? Yeah. Eh, not what you want to see. I mean, Donaldson going uh, going blamo for a little bit, and uh, Acuna kind of got at least a couple ribbies. Right, yeah. By the way, uh, we've done a few things on the Platinum Sombrero. We asked, like, our, our biggest pet peeve. <laughs> when people say RBIs, it is nails on the chalkboard to me. <laughs> it is not RBIs. It is still RBI because an RBI is a run batted in. Mm-hmm. Two or more is runs batted in. So it's RBI. Right. It, it's still RBI no matter what. Like mm-hmm. It's one of those things. Like It's mice. It's still mice. It's not mice. It's not right. mice. It's like right. still RBI. Off topic. But if you guys say RBIs, stop that. Fair enough. I think we're off to a pretty good start. All right, so the first question we're going to get to comes from Jacob Suttles. That is at Jacob Suttles 1. A loyal listener, Jacob, we appreciate the question. That is, my thoughts are that there are three tiers of teams at the moment. Uh, tier 1 is the Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros. Tier 2 is the Braves, Nats, and the Twins. Tier 3 is Cardinals, Cubs, and Indians. That being said, what should our expectations be concerning the Braves in the MLB postseason? What do you think? We talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday, so I don't want to give too much away. Um, but I don't know. I'm not at the same point that I was really even a month ago, where I actually think the Braves are most definitely in that same tier. Anybody in that tier one that you mentioned, I wouldn't be shocked. Other than I think the weakest team in that tier one, ironically enough, is the Yankees. Um, they don't have pitching. 
they're going to get Luis Severino back here soon, but I think they're going to shuttle him to the bullpen right away. Masi Tanaka has been abysmal, and I should know. He's on my fantasy squad. He's been uh, he's been abysmal for like two months now. So the Braves, you know, the Dodgers are, are a really, really good squad, probably on a per-talent basis, probably second only to Houston. But we saw that the Braves can beat them when they're not at their best. Freddie went over 12. Acuna had the incident. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking to dredge that back up. But Acuna had the incident. Inder got hurt. Uh, and we still managed to chase Hinge and Ryu. Yeah, we didn't face Walker Bueller and we didn't face Clayton, but we've already beaten Bueller. We beat him in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So this Braves team, I think we're past the point where the Dodgers have to make a mistake. I think this Braves team, I think this is a point where, um, I think this is a point where Braves fans, and this doesn't always happen in Atlanta, but uh, I think this is a point where expectation needs to be levied. I don't think we need to be soft anymore. I don't think we need to be like, oh, well, just get there. It's good enough. I think um, I think it's time for Atlanta fans in general to start taking a page out of the books of these other big squads, and it's time to actually place some expectations. That's a really good point. I mean, I think, I don't know if it's just a symptom of the rebuild or whatever where everybody's like, I'll be happy just to make it to the playoffs. And, you know, it was an honor to be beat in the NLDS. You know, I mean, we made it a year early. Well, I mean, you remember the lean years when it was um, 65 wins and then we Eric felt really... Eric Ivar and Alberto Cayasso. Oh, yeah. Starting. Oh, yeah, dude. And the, the Eric uh, Stoltz was in the rotation ugh. to start the year. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was like... that. that Josh was Colmenter. That was rough stuff. And we were excited about him because it, it was like... He, it was like he was throwing a tomahawk. I wasn't. He's one of us. But, you know, and so now the expectation was now just like, okay, we're coming out of we're coming out of this and now we made it to the playoffs and we, you know, everybody had that electric moment where the where the Acuna Grand Slam and everything and that was like that was a that was a big thing. You but were no, there for that. I game. was there, yeah, man. That was I was genuinely concerned for everybody's safety during that game. So um that was that was loud. That was that was super crazy. But yeah, I mean, I think now it doesn't have to just be like you know, just making it to the playoffs is enough. I think that this, you could make a case that the Braves are actually in tier one. I think that um, there's still a little bit of ways to go. There might be like tier one one B because I mean the Astros to me like even even if the Braves make it past the Dodgers in the playoffs and you go to the World Series and like that Astros team is rough man they are so brutal like everywhere you turn they're they're unbelievable and you're only gonna have to go three players for most series when you're talking about going Garrett Cole Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke yeah and then <laughs> as if they weren't good enough without Zach Greinke they got him so that is um that is tight what is this. Why is there no liquor in my hand? I know who that is. Sorry, Keith. I already finished my beer. <laughs> I'll see you again later tonight. Oh man! But uh, but yeah, I think I think the Braves could absolutely make a run. And and just to give a little teaser of the episode that's, that's coming out tomorrow, like I could see a scenario where the Braves actually do make a deep run, go to the World Series, and perform really well. But I could see a scenario where they go to the NLDS and they wind up getting knocked out. I think the important thing is we don't see. I don't see an NLDS where they get knocked out. It's NLCS for me. I really, yeah. I really don't. I don't think it matters if we're matched up with the Cardinals or the Cubs. Ideally, we're, we'll talk tomorrow about who we actually want to be facing. Um, we'll talk about Tyler Flowers in a minute. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that there's. I don't think that there's a matchup in the first round that scares me. I think the Braves are are significantly better and significantly more complete than both of those squads. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. That's a good point. Do you want to go ahead and talk about Tyler Flowers real quick? Let's jump right into yeah, it. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Um, 
It's ugly. And I like his, the, the thing about what's going on with him, like the pitch framing, it is real. And, and the biggest thing about him was that he always was like, he didn't have to be an offensive juggernaut to have a lot of value because of what he brought with the framing and the defense. Like he was hitting a, about what he was hitting now when right. he was with Chicago. And he just wasn't getting on base as much when he was with Chicago. He mm-hmm. didn't walk as much. When he came over here, I think he was normally like a 325 OBP type of guy. Don't forget, when he came up here with the Braves, the thought on him was going to be he's going to mash a ton of homers, and we've never really seen that materialize for him. He's a big guy, and he was always big when he was with the Braves. Uh, even coming up, I remember hearing his name a lot, uh, that he might be the next guy, and he might be you know coming up after McCann's gone, it'll be Tyler Flowers. Um Although McCann lasted, what, like five years after Tyler right, Flowers yeah. was traded? Um, but it, it's so difficult for Tyler because you talk about the framing. Uh, I definitely think framing is getting overrated a little bit, um, particularly by Fangraphs and the Fangraphs guys. I love you guys. I think you're super smart. But uh, you can't look at Tyler Flowers and tell me that he's a top 10 catcher in baseball. Uh, and it, a lot of it has to do, and I know we're supposed to talk about the pass balls issue, um, and a lot of that comes from Tyler's setup. If you watch Tyler, the way he catches a ball, it's very, very different. It's not anything you would ever teach your catcher to do, where he starts out, with the, he'll he'll have the original spot, and then he'll call the pitch when the pitcher decides it. I should go right-handed on this. Um, then he'll go to the ground, mm-hmm. and then once the pitcher throws, he's bringing his glove up, and he does that for framing. So if he has to catch a ball that's low, he can catch it as he's coming up, and it looks like the natural motion of his arm. So for the most part, when you're talking about a, a catcher framing, the main key to a good framer is not moving the glove uh, in a very noticeable manner. Now, sometimes some catchers, you'll, you'll see them do the catch and pull. Yeah. Like, unless that umpire was going to call that a strike anyway, it's not going to get called. For most guys, it'll be you're, you're taught whether you push out farther uh, or if you've got something over, you'll turn the glove over so that if it still hits you over here, if you're turning, it just looks like you're catching one there instead of bringing one that's outside back in. It's all very small motions. Um, and Tyler's is really good for that because if you're coming up, then your arm's naturally going to be outstretched. Mm-hmm. So even if you catch the ball down low and you're outstretched, you don't notice as much movement from here as you would from here where your elbow's poking out, where that umpire's sitting right. on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. That being said, man, you got to be able to catch a ball. That was his 15th pass ball last night, and he's a part-time catcher. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that I, I try and remember with this sometimes is, like, you have a much more opportunity to impact with framing than you do with pass balls. I mean, you, you could wind up, theoretically, framing three pitches well enough to wind up um, making making a difference during one at bat. And you, you build that out over an entire game, a series, a, a month, a season, whatever, and you're not going to wind up getting three pass balls over the course of over the course of one uh, at bat, but man, it's even as somebody who who does like Tyler Flowers, just kind of as a dude, like you can tell, like as soon as he had that one last night that allowed the second run to score, that dude was furious. He and, should be. I mean, you're a professional, man. You're a catcher. Your job title is literally in your description. Like framing is awesome, but if you can't catch the ball, your framing then becomes a moot point. Especially if you can't figure out that at some point sacrifice the framing a little bit to be able to catch. Because if you can't catch the ball, that frame drop's not going to matter. And if you're a pitcher right now, like I know we feel bad for Tyler because he's a good dude and we want him to succeed, but if you're a pitcher throwing him, how can you have any confidence right now in throwing yeah. any ball in the dirt? Yeah. Well, and that, that's, that was something that pitchers didn't really have to worry about in previous years. And, you know, you see guys like Rick Ankeel wind up getting the yips where, where he can't throw to home plate. I mean, it's almost like a catcher form of the yips right now where he's just, he can't, 
he can't seem to get it. And hopefully he'll turn it around, but you start looking at, you know, McCann, who's eligible to come back pretty soon. I haven't heard anything one way or the other about um, whether or not he's going to wind up coming back uh, directly on time, like right after his IL stint is over. And then they got Cervelli, who... I mean, he wasn't hobbling when he came off the field or anything. I hope he's fine. I was, he, I was actually about to ask you if you'd heard anything on Cervelli because I haven't heard anything yet. Um, quad cramp? I cramp? mean, If it's just a cramp, then fine. Cool. Yeah, and, and I think it was meant to be preventive, and they, they just – I, I think they know that they need him, and they can't. They <laughs> yeah. can't afford. They can't really afford I mean, to have him we're, be hurt we're too. really at the point that a guy that was hitting under two hundred uh, could be your starting catcher in the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. either way, somebody who's hitting like right at two hundred is going to be your starting catcher in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's a position where you where you have to prioritize defense. And Tyler Flowers kind of just isn't that's why I like Cervelli. Right He's a good game caller. He's not a bad framer, and. Um, he's been good offensively before. He's been really good at getting on base. And if we're already punting the offensive values with Tyler Flowers, give me Cervelli. I love Cervelli. Yeah. And and a, yet another teaser for the episode that comes out tomorrow. I mean, he just he looks like he's been on this team for This is like a year-long teaser, though. We've been talking about Cervelli since that's, before the season that's, started. That's true. That's true. Hopefully we can get his buddy Felipe Vasquez this offseason. Maybe so. Starling Marte as well. You know, oh, let's yeah, hope. Maybe. Let's hope yeah. so. No, no, not saying. I'm just saying. All right, this next question is from Freddy's Gatto. Freddy's Gatto actually has two really good questions, but we'll come back to the non-baseball one in a little bit. Uh, Braves make the playoffs. What arms are called up and potentially used? Wilson, Anderson, etc. That's a good one. Anderson's not getting called up. Yeah. Um, maybe he gets a chance to break with the rotation next year. I highly doubt it. Um, if I were to make a guess, I don't think a lot of arms are going to get called up, to be quite honest. I can't remember what I said on the show last week. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot. Don't contradict yourself. I can't remember. So uh, for anybody that con- that thinks I'm contradicting, uh, it's just another day. And you guys should know when I do a show, I don't sit out here and meticulously plan what I say. I just kind of say what pops into my head. Um, but right now, if I'm really thinking about it, I think Jeremy Walker for sure. I think Snit has shown um, a real inclination to use Jeremy and loves Jeremy Sinker. Um, I think Tucker Davidson really does get a shot. And I know there's a lot of other guys, guys like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. I think you and I can both agree Bryce Wilson's definitely coming up. Yep. Uh, I don't think Tukey does, though. I think I think mm-hmm. this is pretty much it for Tukey. Leave him down there because he's not really performing well down there anyway. He's been hit or miss just like he was up here. So now we're going to rank my top three. I'd probably say Bryce Wilson, number one. Then you get into whether it's going to be Kyle Wright, who's been good at times, but not reliable at times. Um, so I don't think I'd bring him. I, I think I'm going to say probably Tucker Davidson, number two. And then number three is kind of interesting. You see Chad Sabatka because yeah. he's done really well in Gwinnett. He's not walking guys. He's striking out a ton of people. They might want to give A.J. Minter another shot and just have another lefty. But you guys all know that um, – I am anti-Minter. Minter is like a permanent pine cone to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as in the playoffs, I think I would think Bryce has the best shot there. Just shot Phil Pfeiffer, by the way, should answer that one. Any shot that Phil Pfeiffer gets a shot. I think it's a little too late in the year for that to happen. Yeah, well, um, and he, he's not on the 40 right. Right, right now either. Now, Alex says he doesn't really care about true. 40 that's, that's true. But that's something like... Of course he's going to say he doesn't care, but you're talking about if you have the DFA somebody off the 40, it's no longer like an easy DFA for a lot of guys. Maybe Jerry Blevins, but if you right. DFA Jerry, if you DFA Blevins, you're losing another lefty. Mm-hmm. So adding Pfeiffer to that, I'd rather use Pfeiffer than Jerry Blevins, but we also don't know how Pfeiffer would react going back to the pen. All the success he's had has been as a starter. They tried him in the bullpen. And he... 
he is a, a wonderful story. Like what he's done this year has he's been just crazy impressive. And I, I, I hope that you know there's going to be some really interesting forty man decisions that have to wind up getting made this off season. And I think Pfeiffer's kind of pitched his way onto one of those because there, there's going to be a ton yeah. of spots that are a ton of guys that have to go on there, but a ton of spots that are going to wind up is opening. Pfeiffer's going to be a guy that you feel you have to protect. Remember, there was that year last year where. Yeah. Demerit wasn't added onto the 40s. So he mm-hmm. wasn't protected from the Rule 5, and yet he didn't get taken. That's true. Um, same thing happened with Tyler Pike, I believe. Uh, well, yeah. Right. He is now. <laughs> but, uh, Tyler Pike has walked but, six guys since we started doing this. But it, it was the same thought that mm-hmm. last year, for a lot of last year, Pike was looking really good. It was, or was it two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. Where Pike was looking really, really good, and for whatever reason, the Braves didn't protect him on the 40, and nobody took him. Now, granted, See why um, the walk problem persisted. Yeah, but uh, kind of the same story with Ricardo Sanchez. So I don't, I don't think Pfeiffer would make my top four of who's going to get called up. He's he's an interesting guy to track as far as as far as the playoffs go. I think um, to me it just comes back to Bryce Wilson because I mean you're you still you get forty for September. You can use as many as forty, but for the playoffs you go back to twenty five. So twenty five, yeah. And I think that they would roll pretty close to what they've got. I think Sabatka might have an outside chance, but he. He's kind of got that thing where he struggles when when he when he gets overused and Snip gets into his patterns, you know, with with who he I likes think, to use. I when, think that's so. the bigger thing. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think Sabak is a guy that you know really early on in the outing if he's got it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God bless players, managers like to stick with a guy, but Sabak is not really the guy to stick with because if yeah. he's if he's missing middle middle, that is a ticking time bomb in today's day and age. Either that or he's going to start walking time. It's basically look at his first slider. If his first slider is like a 50-footer, then probably not going to be a good addict for him. It's such a shame because when he's on, he's he's got filth. He's he might have going. the nastiest stuff in the bullpen. He does. He's got some that 100 mile an hour fastball. And that, mm-hmm. that slider that he's got, that is one of the most disgusting, most disgusting sliders I've seen. What is that question right there? I'm like, oh, it's I'm not a question. It just says Sabaka plus flowers equals nightmare. Totally agree. Oh, with you yeah. Good <laughs> not God. somebody I want to see try to drop a block that slider. Oh man, this is how you punt a uh, punt a playoff game in the in the seventh yeah. inning. Everybody wanted to whine about Yasmani Grandal last year. I mean, goodness gracious. Interesting free agent target if, if he and the Brewers don't wind up uh, picking up that Please don't tease me. Thing that they, I mean, $16 million option, that's a big old option. It is, but you got to figure you get more years on that free agent market after this year. That's true. I mean, that's I'm just saying. No, I'm saying. I'm just saying. That's true. No QO this time. Uh, this one's from Michael Lane, at one Michael Lane, and I'm... This is intriguing. I didn't know how to answer it when I, when I first... Saw it, and I'm not sure I know how to answer it now, so I hope you do. Uh, is there any chance that the Braves' high-A team returns to the Carolina League, the Fire Frogs? They would have to get really pissed off at the amount of games that get rained out. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think kind of Florida's kind of like the big hotbed and all that stuff. So I kind of think that um, the Fire Frogs, by the way, phenomenal team as far as like their social media, their mm-hmm. mascots are flipping awesome. Um, I'm going to say no just because I don't think – I don't, I don't think that they're going to really care about it that much. I think if they do, it'll wind up... It, I don't think they would do it yet, because it's only been... This is their third year, and they usually will uh, cycle through every couple of years. So if it does happen, it won't wind up being for a couple of years. But very interesting question. Very perplexing. You make us think. I love it. Uh, next question is from Matt Maneri, I think. Uh, to at Maneri M., 
question, uh, two questions here. Number one, who do you think will be on the bench in the playoffs, and who in the bullpen, which we kind of covered. Um, so let's let's go ahead and do uh, the, the bench question first, and then we'll get to the second half of this in a second. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb, and just because I'm a huge fan, I think Camargo gets his way back onto the bench. You can't look at what he's doing in Gwinnett and think, like, eh, let's leave him off. Because yeah. um, we have seen what he can do, and whether you think it's a, a mentality issue, whether you think it's a timing issue from getting very sporadic playing time before all year, whatever the case is, right now he's hitting. Um, he's a switch hitter, too, so he can kind of go back and forth for, for matchups. But I think, ideally, the thing with Camargo would be, if you're going to have him on there, you have to have some concerted choice to actually use him. And I've talked about this before, whether it's on TPS or whether it's on Locked On. His particular setup is not really geared towards not getting playing time because everybody, every hitter is timing-based. When you're talking about a guy that keeps the bat on his shoulder and has a big leg kick, so he's got all those moving pieces once mm-hmm. the pitcher gets moving, everything he does, he has to be in sync. And when he's not in sync, we see what happens. He strikes out, and he rolls over the ball. You can see when it starts to get to him, and it follows him into the field. Yeah, it really does. But if you're talking about, would I rather have Camargo up in a key spot than, I don't know, I mean, Charlie, we know, is going to be there. Matt Joyce is going to be there. Mm -hmm. But if you're asking me if I'd rather have Camargo or Duvall, I mean, aside from Duvall dominating that first, what, two weeks when he got called up, he's been pretty bad, too. Yeah. And I definitely don't want Billy Hamilton hitting with the game on the line. Let <laughs> Billy run for Camargo. Like, perfect yeah. perfect situation. Yep. Let Billy start, like, behind Johan Camargo. Camargo <laughs> swings, Hamilton runs. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that Hamilton, um, when it comes down to... Because Charlie can play anywhere. Camargo... Um, and this is where it gets interesting. It, it comes into the health when you're looking at Marcakis, Riley, no. Ender, Adani. A, a, yeah, like this is. I think Adani is definitely on the roster. And you you get wow. five guys, right? Yeah, that's going to be close. So like Joyce, Joyce, Charlie. I think we can both agree on that. I think Billy would make the roster just as a late inning defensive replacement and a runner. Do you um, carry three catchers? I wouldn't. If it were me, Flowers would be gone. I'm kind of leaning that I way, mean, too. If it, if it were me, then Flowers is not factoring into my bench, but that still leaves mm-hmm. some tough decisions. Yeah. I still so, so, yeah so that's that's four right there. Mm-hmm. you got one of the catchers. Then it becomes Ender or Ender or Camargo. Yeah. So here, here's what I really think happens. If Ender comes back, I don't think Ender's coming back this year. I kind of don't. If Ender were to come back, I think he would take the place of Billy Hamilton, and then you'd see Camargo take it. If Ender does not come back, or if – if if Ender is like gonna come back by like the NLCS or whatever, then I think you see Camargo left on, left off. Yeah, I think I think that's fair too. You'd hate to leave off Hedgeveria. Oh, I did leave off Hedge, but and and this that's where it gets tricky too. Like his his glove has kind of see, been as I'm, I'm gonna take it back then because I think there's no way that Hedgeveria doesn't make the 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 club. I think I think the Braves have such a deep lineup and they've seen what happens. Like God forbid Dansby go down again, mm-hmm. but if and I think that's the key. I really do, and I'm, I'm kind of talking over myself here. But like, if they feel that it's Dansby's a good question, it is. And if they feel that Dansby's fine, you're not going to pinch hit with Echeverria. Like, you got a better shot pinch hitting with Max Freed. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's a really tough question, man. Yeah, that's that is that's a really good one, though. I think yeah, Joyce. I think we can all agree on uh, Charlie. We can all agree on. Yeah, here's good stuff. Last two bats being Ender or Hamilton. Who do you hit? Ender easily. Yeah, Ender was killing it. Ender was killing it. Ender does well in the second half, mm-hmm. uh, and Billy Hamilton is atrocious with the bat. Unless you can tell Billy Hamilton if it's in the dirt, swing at it because you have a better shot of beating out a pass ball than actually getting a base hit. Bunt all the time. Right. But Billy Hamilton is the only person that's you know the hashtag. Never bunt. He's hashtag only bunt for me. Yeah, but he's he's so fast. He's going to wind up being a weapon. Um, I think Hesperia does have a place. You know, when you get to some of the fringe guys, when you're looking at guys like Rafael Ortega, he's not going. He's he's not going to make it. I don't think. And uh, and Flowers, I I I'm inclined to agree with you. Man. If they carry three catchers, it gets way trickier. Mm-hmm. Because then then you uh, have. How do we think Nick's going to do when he comes back? I keep forgetting that Nick Marquez is even coming back. Well, and that that is well, you know, Joyce has been getting some starts, which yeah. which he's done really well for himself in these starts. But I think Nick will take precedent there, regardless. Oh, and he's not a, the type of guy who who is just going to you know breaking his hamate bone or something. Who's going to wind up losing a ton of power? Like he singles and doubles. He didn't have a lot of power left anyway. Right. So if the whole point is just for him to just get it out into the outfield, then I, I think I think that for what Nick Markakis is, he's going to come back and pretty much be exactly what Nick Markakis is. Austin Riley is going to be a huge, absolutely huge wild card. He's actually doing pretty well for himself down in. Um, Gwinnett, down Gwinnett as well. Yeah, and that's the thing with him. That's what I've wondered because he was so bad in his head. That injury of his might have been the best thing for him. Yeah, so I didn't see him coming out of it. And Dodd's a real bullet by the fact he didn't have to have surgery. Yeah, the fact that James Andrews was like, "Oh no, you're actually good." I never thought I'd say that in my life. Never has that happened before. Um, second half of this question from Matt Maneri. and Matt, I'm so sorry. I'm probably butchering your name. I, I hated that I'm doing this, but. What can I do? Call him Eminem. Uh, next question from Eminem: Greatest baseball movie ever? No, we actually same lot. Easy. See, I gotta take. You, you can rank. What's your top three baseball movies of all time? The Sandlot, number one. Um, see, that's my three. Probably Bull Durham. I love Bull Durham. I know you don't. Yeah, I it's not. Yeah. Um, I've got this weird love affair with the rookie. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> I, I never so, have. Was it Dennis Quaid in that one? Um, or was that for the love of the game? No, no, it was just Kevin Costner. You said obviously I've never seen either. And Moneyball is a good one, but I think that one's kind of overplayed. Like yeah. that one's, you know, I think it's a little, little, little too cliche. For whatever reason, when the rookie came out, I saw it in the theaters. Weird, I know. Hey, As a young kid, you, you were, were still playing when this happened. I was young. Okay, okay. But I love that movie. So you got Sandlot, Bull Durham, The Rookie. Yeah, I don't care for a league of their own, really. Sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, ladies. I don't care. You see, um, you see I got I got Major League at number one. Major League's good too. I, I, Bad News Bears is good. Bad News Bears is great. Um, Little Big League totally undersold, but it doesn't make my top three. Um, a league of their own is my number two. And um, Sandlot is my number three. Uh, like when Sandlot came out, I was natural. eleven. They were all eleven. Uh, natural. That's a good one too. But yeah, a little bit overrated in my well, book. Well, keep in mind when Eloy Jimenez hit that ball into the lights to to Roy Hobbs, is something yeah. that became its own verb, which yeah, is like that's, that's pretty true. cool. So 
So yeah, good. There's, there's a lot of good baseball movies, man. A lot yeah. more good baseball movies than football movies. That's true. Uh, Any given Sunday is the first one that comes to mind, and that's really not. Even I'm overrated. That is actually a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so um, before we we get to like basically the extra inning segment, when we put out the call for all these questions, like. More than half of them were about food because I enraged a lot of people with my pickles take. Uh, pickles are gross. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but we got a call, a couple calls on the TPS hotline that uh, if you guys ever want to call 678-208-7982, we would love to hear from you. Uh, one question was from a gentleman by the name of Doug who has been listening to us from the very beginning. Is that going to be our transition music this week? That might, might as well. Um, and he was he was asking about uh, Julio Tehran, about our thoughts on his 2019, whether we thought uh, he should we should uh, pick up the option for next year, and if um, that's a, that was a good one, thank you. Uh, and if we don't pick his option up, what his legacy is going to wind up being? That's a really good question. That's great. I love that. So I'll uh, I'll let you go. I'll let you go first on that one. <sighs> that's a hard one to say for me. Um, I do think they'll pick up his option. I think he's done enough this year with Kranitz to be able to point to something and say, hey, he's figured something out. I know we're going to look at the peripherals, uh, especially guys like you and me who are, mm-hmm. who are a lot more analytically based than a lot of people. Um, but there's something about it. I mean, you can't look at what he's done this year. and He's had a, he's had a few really bad clunkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Marlins starts, you can take out the other way for the other outliers. Yeah. But even just look at the middle stuff, and he's been – He's been more than a serviceable four or five, and in a day and age where the Braves, I think if everything had gone according to plan for the Braves this year, where Kyle Wright had been fine, Bryce Wilson had been fine, Tukey had shown steps, I think then definitely he would have, his option would have been declined. But at this point, what he's done this year, he's been your most consistent pitcher this year behind Uli, or behind uh, behind Soroka. So $12 million, it's not that much money when you're considering it. I, I think it kind of comes down to what else they add in the offseason. But I th- if I were to guess right now, Julio's going to be added in. Do you want to answer this and then we'll get into the legacy question? Because I think that's the bigger one. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they will too. I mean, you basically – it's kind of funny, man. You said all offseason long, like, Dallas Keuchel is Julio Tehran. And, and I still fully believe that. Well, and then Keuchel showed up and – it's been pretty close. And if you look at what Keuchel's done this year for $13 million, and you look at what Julio has done for approximate salary. Start to see why nobody wanted to pay Keuchel $20 million. I mean, and he was asking for like seven years and 175. Like he, That's a bad agent, folks. That's, I mean, Scott Boris? Scott Boris. Scott Boris. So, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I would love to see Julio come back. Um, I think that he, he has been just a wonderful, wonderful surprise this year, especially after the last two years. It's been really, like, hard to watch at points because he was one of the, the pillars of the rebuild where it was him and Freddie. They were the only things. Like, they traded everything that wasn't nailed <laughs> yeah. down. And, and some things that were Yeah, like, down. like they wound up getting a new stadium, so they technically got rid of a whole bunch of stuff uh, that even was nailed down. So... You're you're always going to wind up seeing Julio out pitching his peripherals like that. He's made an entire career out of it. Um, the disparity between his ERA and his FIP with a thousand innings pitched. I mean, that's not a tiny sample size. It's just a big time sample. And you look at the Sierra; it's kind of the same way. Yeah, I mean, and so like all of the the peripherals that point to a guy who just knows how to pitch, and because of the walks and because of the home runs. Yeah, he's never going to look good peripherals wise because of walks. Home runs haven't been that bad for him this year, which this has been me, his best year in a while. That's been the key to me. If 
like he's gonna walk or give up home runs. If you can pick between the two, walk people all you want, don't give up the home runs. I'm not one of these guys, and this is gonna be very taboo for a lot of you guys, and I'm gonna <laughs> apologize in advance. Yeah, wait to hear this. Um I'm not one of these guys that freaks out over walks. Like if I think that I don't think all walks are the same. I think there are very strategic walks. I think there's walks that don't matter at all. And if you're a guy like Julio who if you serve up an 89-mile-an-hour fastball to a guy, anybody in Major League Baseball can hit an 89-mile-an-hour fastball. There are plenty of you can hit an 89-mile-an-hour fastball. You may not think you can, but if you've seen it a couple times, you can. Um, so in that case, I'm not – It's it's the home the home runs to me is far more important than the walks mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Home runs always score. Walks right. don't always score. Right. That's, that's the thing that you'll hear on broadcast, oh, leadoff walk will come around and kill you. I'm gonna have to dig into the numbers on that, but I, I'm not sure I believe that that's actually the case. I don't see a big difference in a leadoff walk and a leadoff hit. Well, how about his legacy? That one is a lot tougher. Um, I don't think it really matters how good Julio pitches at this point. I think his legacy is always going to be one of disappointment because when we got him. Uh, this might have been 2012 when he was the number one prospect, not just the number one prospect in the Braves system. But he was like the number one pitching prospect. Like, he might have been the number one overall prospect. Well, he was he was hanging around right. That was the time it was like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Matt Moore, Matt Moore. That's right. So yeah, he, they, and like Julio, Julio was, right was the number there. one pitcher. Yeah. He was the number one pitching prospect in baseball, and he was throwing 94 to 96. Um, and at that point in time, and when he came up, we saw a taste of it. Mm-hmm. And then in 2013, I think it was, we saw a lot of it. We were like, holy crap, this guy is going to be special, special. Uh, and then, was it 2015 was the was the mega year? Was it 2014? I think, it, I want to say that he did well in odd year, in even number years. Okay. 2016, that was the year that everybody was, was like, that, trade him for Benintendi and Mankata. And that was the year where uh, <laughs> the entire Red Sox to my, system. To my chagrin, I, I stated on a podcast, uh, Shellshocked was the name of the podcast at the time, with uh, my buddy Jaquan, who does the replay at Gwinnett. So you guys should definitely be hitting him up at Rich Tommy JQ. Um, always good to mention him. Um, but... I was saying, don't trade Julio unless you get Rafael Devers in return. So, um, not my brightest, not not the best take. Looking back on it, uh, Braves cold takes would probably get me on that. Devers can hit. Man. Devers is a monster. He's a um, but looking back, like, oh yeah, give me Ben Intendi for him. I think 2014 was was like his super stud year. Um, when you saw him 2014 or whichever one, if it was 2014 or 15, I'm pretty sure it was 14. You look at him like this guy is, is an ace, ace. Like this mm-hmm. guy's a top ten pitcher in baseball. Then he kind of had that shoulder injury, and that velo just kept dropping. And unfortunately, I think that's going to play a role in how we view him because we were we were counting on him for so long to be the ace. Like he was the guy that we were going to build the rest of our rotation around. Mm-hmm. Like we've already got him. The rest of it can follow suit. And uh, unfortunately for Julio. Uh, and unfortunately for a lot of Braves fans, it just didn't quite happen that way. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing about having having somebody that's just so highly ranked as a prospect is that you wind up setting your sights. Look at Dansby. That's a, a similar example. Dansby was top five prospect in all baseball, former number one pick. Julio was like a, a bonus baby uh, when he came out of Columbia. You know, these guys are, they put huge expectations on these guys like yeah. from the beginning. The Kevin Mines on. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually looking at his numbers today. It's not good. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about it. No. Well, we'll talk about. It. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write an article about it. Venezuelan Mickey Cabrera. He's the next Mickey Cabrera. Right. 
And uh, but but yeah, so so people, you look at what he could possibly be, and he he has had those times where where he's pitching against everybody the way that he's pitching pitched against the Marlins this year, and then you have other times where it's like that start against the Mets, and that's that was pretty much his seventeen and his eighteen, where you just I saw him give up a home run to Travis Shaw that he literally hit. Over the chop house, dude. Like, yeah. what's, what's, how? That's not even possible. Like, you, you're just humming one, like, 87 right down the middle. That's and why. You throw an 87 right down the middle, that's a, that's a home run derby fastball. And I just, I have always had, like I said, I've always had a very soft spot for Julio, so I'm probably a bad judge of, like, what he actually is. I hope they, they pick his option up for next year and, and I hope that he continues down the same path that he's now. You look at somebody like Anibal Sanchez, there might not have been a more important acquisition for last year's team just based on the fact that he helped Julio learn how to pitch yeah. with diminished velocity. Yeah. That's hard to do. It really is, and I think that it's also a good mark for Rick Kranitz this year. Mm-hmm. I think everybody likes to um, throw some shade on Kranitz, but Julio's figured something out with him. Yeah, Especially his slider. Especially his slider placement has been mm-hmm. far better this year than it's been at any point in his career. Yeah. So, um, we would love to hear from you guys what you think about Julio's legacy as well. We did have another question on the... Uh, we have two more questions on the, on the line to get to. So thank you guys. People are calling. It's not just Boggy, even though one of the questions that we're going to ask. We got like six from Boggy. Yeah, Boggy, Boggy <laughs> always calls us. He, he loves us and we love him too. Uh, the question was from Seth Sozeby. Uh, it was at Elon Brave. He was asking about uh, the CBA, about the fact that it's going to wind up by all accounts, it's kind of looking like a strike might come. And if you're the front office, how do you balance possibly losing a uh, losing a year of control? Yeah, for... What? I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, and and when you think about, you know, I remember being when the strike happened. I, I still don't like, think a strike's going to happen. I really don't. I think they'll get close to it. I think that um, the owners know that baseball players, unlike football and unlike basketball, baseball players actually have had a strike in recent memory. Yeah, and people remember. Like the game was very much affected, and I still know people that are you know old people, of course, but. I know people that quit watching baseball because of the strike, and they did not go back to it. Yeah. So, oh, those millionaires want to win out of granted they took the owner's side, which I don't agree with, but, you know, it's whatever. That's a weird one. The yeah. fact of the matter is baseball owners do know that players will strike. Mm-hmm. Like, it will happen. And, you know, you may think that you've got your own personal scabs in the minor leagues because we can say that, no, nobody do it, but you, you, uh, you go tell a guy who's been living off of – Forty grand a year, or even less than that, usually uh, in the minor leagues, who's been sharing a piece of crap apartment um, for five months before having to go work a full time job. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't take this five hundred sixty five thousand dollars. <laughs> right, I can tell you yeah. what I tell you. Yeah, I mean, and when we had uh, Jared James on, he used to talk about how he was, you know, he was a substitute teacher in the off season. Yeah, yeah I mean, go look if you guys like if you guys just kind of generically think, oh well, they make enough, go look at what these guys actually get paid for. Not not necessarily the contracts. Some of the big guys obviously have plenty of money from their signing bonuses. But, you know, the rank and file minor league guys, go take a look at what they make per level. It's not what you think. Yeah, and and I think that when you start looking at everybody knows the damage that got done the, the last strike. I mean, we had, it was like August 
eighth or ninth, nineteen ninety four, and I remember in my old house we my three year old saw from members of Oh, do you? <laughs> it's the darkest days. We had a bulletin board in the the house that we used to live in at the time, and there were uh, my entire family's tickets were push pinned onto this bulletin board for August twelfth, nineteen ninety four. I remember it was going to be Brave versus Astros. Look it up, and uh, <laughs> and I and I would just God, it broke my heart, man, and like it did a lot of damage, and like baseball could do no wrong for me, and even then I was like. This is not good. This is really, you know, and, and I think that they, when you look at the the steroid era in the late '90s, was a direct response to that. And it's like and it even, works. Yeah, I mean, baseball needs to be, you know, baseball's not dumb. You can hate Rob Manfred all you want, but give like, me superheroes hitting the ball 500 feet. Give me, give me guys doing things that regular people can't do. I was, I was. I do not hold. I do not harbor any ill will towards the steroid era. The McGuire Sosa chase, just as what was I? That was ninety. Was that ninety eight? Yeah. So I was seven years old. That was amazing. There's there has been nothing until the Braves win the World Series again. There has been nothing in baseball that has even come close to that. Like that was everybody that you knew was watching every McGuire game. Every Sammy Sosa game, that home run derby that had the two of them in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be shocked if that wasn't the most viewed home run derby ever. It was. Uh, it was a really interesting time, and you, and you would just start. And I always reference Brady Anderson hitting fifty home runs <laughs> in nineteen ninety six. You know, you know something's wrong. Yeah, like what Shane, is happening? Was it Shane? Uh, Shane Green? Yeah, Shane Wait, Green. Had a 50 not Shane Green. Sean. Sean Green. Sean Green. Sean Green had a fifty home run year. Shane Green had fifty home runs, uh, and he has eight consecutive scoreless appearances. But uh, but yeah, I think that uh, when you start looking at the the players' union and the, like, if they're trying to work together, they still have two years, and they even with relations being okay last time, then it still came within like three hours yeah, of the yeah. deadline, and we're all kind of looking around like, uh, is this really going to happen? So they're working together. In advance now, they're really trying to make sure that that doesn't happen because it can be devastating. And with as much divisiveness, divisiveness as there is in the game now, with you know, there's a war going on between analytics nerds like us and people that would like to measure batting averages. The stat pitchers wins is the stat. So yeah, sorry though if you if you count pitchers wins and think those are great, I can't be friends with you. You know, and it's still one of those things. It's you look at. The I extremes. can be friends with you, but I can't respect your baseball takes. Anybody who's got like twenty-seven wins, I mean, that's, that's good. cool. That's good. That's cool. But you can't like, oh, Jacob Degrom can't win a Cy Young. He he had a losing record. Oh, he only went ten and nine. Right. You know, talk yeah, to Felix Hernandez yeah, about, calm down about that. But uh, but yeah, as a, hopefully there won't wind up being any type of um, any type of strike. I think that there, you're going to wind up seeing some big changes to the game. I think both sides are going to make big concessions for each other. I agree, and I can't wait for the DH to be. In the I know. Twenty twenty two is apparently uh, the year. Yeah, Bryce Ball. It, yeah. He actually does have a starting spot. He's Just in time. Yeah. So because I'm still very angry that we don't get to see NC Boomstick here because of the stupid antiquated. Oh, that's pitcher hit. I know. And now, like, guy, you know, guy. No offense if you guys like the pitcher hitting, Andy. I know you like to watch the pitcher hit. Um, I just. I don't need to see Fulton Avich flailing about ever again. Just about to say, Mike Fulton Avich got a start last night, and we didn't have to watch him hit right? at all. It's amazing. Last week, you're like, oh, this is how life can always be. <laughs> and, and if you do that for everybody, here's here's my counterpoint to the people that don't want the DH, but also complain about pitchers going five innings. If there's a DH there, maybe your guy goes another inning because he's not as tired from having a hit and he's not coming up in an important spot. I don't know. And, I don't know. And and you also you start looking at um, 
double switches happening just because the, the pitcher is coming up and it's like, okay, he's got 62 pitches, but it's it's time. You know, when, when yeah, Mike Soroka getting taken out with 79 pitches in the AL, that was that was a little bit more head-scratching than that normal was, to me. That was a weird one. That was absolutely a weird one. And I don't want to derail, but doesn't it, doesn't it not seem like Snicker does this repeatedly with Soroka? That, like, it's kind of been... I, I think it's the shoulder. I think, I think he's trying. though. Yeah. Like, Freed's, I mean, Freed's getting up there 91 to 100 pitches now. Mm-hmm. But Soroka, he keeps pulling, like, and it's been three or four times at least this year, like, concertedly, where the game is super close, Soroka's pitching really well, and Snit pulls him. And it worked out one game in Miami, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, it, it, it just, it's kind of weird, especially because mm-hmm. Soroka's not the same. Like, I can understand pulling Fulte if he's had to struggle through innings. And Mike did have a lot of base runners. I understand he that. He did, yeah. He was getting hit hard. But it's like there's not really a high stress inning for Soroka. It's never like it never looks high stress for him. Like everything he yeah. throws is always measured. So I don't know. I don't know. We got to move on. What's the next question? Okay. So the next question is uh, it was <clears throat> as I said it's from Boggy uh, looking at Soroka and looking at Freed and whether or not uh, you would go ahead and start looking at locking them down to extensions similar Most to definitely. yeah. I don't think I don't, there, think, there, I don't even have to finish the question. <laughs> I don't even think that we have to like really make that a, a concerted effort. Soroka obviously the question is how much do you want to pay him. Yeah. Um, the good and bad news, depending on which side of the fence you fall on, I don't think pitchers are going to get the same extensions that hitters get. I'll agree. I think with the with the new ball uh, and the way that we're all going to have to kind of reevaluate how we judge pitching stats now, I think, uh, and the volatility just naturally inherent in pitchers, I think that pitchers are going to get closer to like like would you uh, would you sign Mike Soroka to Aaron Nola's extension? Hell yeah. Four years and 45 million? Yeah. Now, let, now let's say they're going to push it out longer. It's not going to be four years for Soroka. Let's, let's, say, let's say for Soroka, if you want to say six years, 66 million. Please. Yeah. Of course. Okay. For Freed, let's say six years, 45 million. If it'll take it, yeah. Yeah. Well, and well, you, well, well, you start looking say, at service time, consider, not service time, but. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Buy out the year of arbitration and a couple free agent years following. Mm-hmm. That way, these guys still know that they're going to be able to potentially reach free agency at a time where they can get a big contract. Mm-hmm. So, for Freed, that would be like four years, I think. What's he going to be? Is he going to be an arbitration one? No, he's going to 2017. That was his first year, but even so, though it was just a partial year. So, so was this pre arb two or pre arb one? I think this would be. He's still under team control. I think next year is our one. Okay, so four years. So say say for free, you give him a five year deal, five years and forty five million. Would you do that? Yes. I mean, I obviously would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I obviously would. And and but you were talking about the volatility coming into this season. I was all about an extension for Fulty. So and and he's been a lot better. I don't think Fulty's going to get one. I don't think he is either. But I think but it speaks non-tendered. it speaks to the same thing. Like somebody's well, not non-tendered. He'll stick around. I think he, they'll offer, but I don't think it's going to be an offer he's going to take. After this past year, he might. She all right back there? No, she's good. She's just good. My German Shepherd is back here. Goonie is the is the third uh, the third member of the the TPS Periscope right now. You just can't see her. She's busy licking herself. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you you look at somebody's mechanics, or somebody gets some type of elbow or bone spurs in the elbow, or whatever. I mean, things can can go sideways real quick. And Freed's got the blisters. He's had a Tommy John. Soroka's got the shoulder stuff. So Tommy John doesn't bother me. Not as much. And it's been five years since it happened. Yeah, I think the blister thing is something you consider, especially the fact that you're in Atlanta. Um, and it does get very hot and humid and muggy here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just don't think you can look at what Freed's done and be like, eh, I'm going to hold off and wait and see because they've been doing that with Dansby. I think mm-hmm. Dansby's the other one. Yeah. But uh, you've kind of seen when Dansby's been out this year. Plays a big role in this team. That's not easy for me to say. <laughs> are you are you going to wind up getting the the tattoo? No, he didn't get an MVP. So no, no, okay, I'm not. <laughs> the rules were there on Twitter. If he won an MVP, or if he ever wins an MVP, I'll stretch it. If he ever wins an MVP, we're recording this. You know, it's fine. Okay, if he ever wins an MVP because he's not going to. He's not the type of player that can win. An MVP. Dude, you thought he was going to post a negative war season? I didn't say a negative war season. He's never posted a negative season. Well, well, I just said Camargo would have a higher war well, because he has for the for like his entire career up to this point. But whatever. I'll now work out for you. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, thank you for the question, Doug, Seth, and Boggy. I'm not going to tell everybody what your real name is. But much like we sequence... Um, Redacted. Yeah, exactly. So much like we do regular episodes of TPS, um, we are going to do an extra inning segment because, like I said, I infuriated a lot of people with my pickle takes, so everybody wanted to know about non-baseball stuff. So... Um, this one is from Derek Duran. Uh, Derek was responsible for the idea behind the Lance Bass Pro Shop ad. So thank you, Derek. For as letting... well as about 50 other great ideas. Yeah, the International Haunted House of Pancakes is definitely going to wind up being... By the way, thing. Derek, if you have like a recording setup, record some ads and shoot them over to me, man. Yeah. I mean, we... I'm not, I am not above using you guys for content. He's not. Uh, so I'm going to kick this over to you. Uh, this is a fantasy football question. I have never played fantasy football, and because of Super Bowl 51, I don't even watch football anymore. <laughs> um, which fantasy football player do do you treat as pickles or deviled eggs? Uh, meaning people tend to love them, but you hate. But you like you like deviled eggs. If there's no like pickles or relish or celery or anything yeah. weird in those, then no, yeah. nothing. If it's great. literally just the egg and paprika, then oh yeah, sure. But um, this is kind of a hard one because lately it hasn't really been a guy that like everybody's freaking out about that I want. Um, but going back a couple years, Drew Brees now is that way. I don't know how many people are still clamoring for Drew Brees, but doesn't that's not his game anymore. Going back a few years, used to be Jamal Charles. was a running back that everybody always wanted to take in the first round, but I never, never wanted Jamal Charles in the first round. He's just a guy that a little bit smaller than I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as people this year... I don't really know that there's anybody this year that I would equate to Pickles, who I just hate, period. Um, there's probably a few other overrated. There's probably a few overrated plays, but uh, none, none that are sticking out to me like that. Hmm. Warren Moon still playing? Yeah. No, I think he's done. I think he's gone. Steve Young? All right. Um, oh, actually, you know what? Steve we do? Young doesn't know if he's in his house or even wearing clothes right now. That's true. Uh, he should have had Antonio Brown's helmet. See, I pay attention. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we actually, we do have to, to veer back into some baseball territory. Um, the Braves, David, asked a very sad question. That's Hulu has live sports. Um, why did the Braves pass on Joe Adele oh. to take Kyle Wright? And related... How do I keep from crying myself to sleep every night? David, this is a devastating question, and I'm sad that I even veered back into answering. Somewhere Prospects Brave is now crying, too. Yeah. So I'm going to just take the, the first, um, first shot at this, then I'm going to have to let the dog out because, yeah, she obviously wants out. But so Kyle Wright had the pedigree. He was coming out of a, a great program in, in the SEC. He had a great year for Vanderbilt. And Adel, there were articles being written about him where they were comping him to Bo Jackson, which was like how you don't just do that. I mean, that, that's a that's an otherworldly talent right there. Um, 
But he was very raw and very unproven at the time. He had all the athleticism in the world, but you see a thousand guys like that that they don't wind up actually panning out. Um, and this, this isn't to say that, that uh, Kyle Wright isn't going to wind up having a very successful major league career uh, or that Adele is, you know, he's he's not there yet, but he's... Uh, I think we can both say Adele's... Yeah, I'm, I'm just... I'm, <laughs> I'm in my feelings right now, man. Um, I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah, I mean, and I really liked Adele, but but it was the same type of thing where it's like, if Kyle Wright falls on you, you kind of have to take him, expecting that he was going to step right in. And just kill it, and he kind of has it. So I'm gonna let the dog out. Um, I'm gonna kick it over to you. Okay. Well, first off, to answer your "how do you not cry yourself to sleep" answer, um, I recommend liquor or maybe some other substances um, that may or may not be legal in the state of Georgia. Um, grows as a plant, kind of looks a little bit like oregano. Um, what, like basil? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's more like thyme. Um, that would be my first recommendation. But as to the why take Kyle Wright over Joe Adele, that's a weird, that's, it's very, it's kind of a difficult one to answer because that was right during the Brian Bridges regime. Uh, and you guys know my thoughts and Doc's thoughts on Brian. I think he's, I think he's the single best evaluator in baseball. Uh, I think he's hit on so many guys that people would, were not thinking of anywhere near the rounds that they were. I think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal evaluator. I think it was more, they didn't expect Kyle Wright to fall to them. Uh, I know they wanted Royce Lewis in that year, which I'm glad that they didn't take Royce Lewis. Hot take, but I'm not super big on Royce Lewis. Uh, I could be wrong on that one, but as of right now, I'm just not super big on that package. Um, Kyle's a guy that you looked at, had four pitches, did great on the biggest stage in college baseball, uh, got great coaching at Vanderbilt, who their pitching coach is now the... The Reds pitching coach, I believe. I think he's a pitching coach for Derek the Cincinnati. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, pitching coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I wouldn't have made that call because uh, if you can tell me that, if you can give me an electric position player, just me personally, 99 times out of 100, I'm taking him over a pitcher because there's more inherent value in a position player than a pitcher. Um, that being said, man, it's baseball. Sometimes uh, you don't you don't get everybody you want. Was it we uh, we passed up on Aaron Judge and took uh, Lucas Sims? Was that it? Uh, it was Jason Hirsch. Jason Hirsch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who was it that we took uh, Lucas Sims in front of? It was somebody else big? Yeah. You can if you really want to torture yourself as a as a baseball fan, just go through the lists of old drafts, just old first rounds, mm-hmm. uh, and see the guys that came after your pick. And the, and you know you can you'll drive yourself crazy if you wind up doing that too because there's so many instances of that happening and it's and it's easy to to look at um, any anybody in the the 2015 draft and, and they could say like oh man we passed on Mike Soroka so we could take somebody you never heard of before right right so it, it does work I in mean even Braves fans can be like oh thank God we took Mike Soroka where we did look at Kobe Allard I mean that that pick by the way by the way shout out to Kobe Allard for, yeah. for how he's doing with yeah. Texas not a great start his last time out but for the most part he's he's been successful over there I mean he spent this entire year pitching in AAA like he and uh, he and Travis DeMerritt wound up getting traded and then immediately promoted and Travis by the way 
don't know how many of you guys are watching Tigers games, but Travis done really well. I don't even think Tigers fans are watching Tigers games. <laughs> right. right They're but, blacked out in their own city. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, that 2017 draft was really weird. It was like really clustered. It was like a clearly defined top five. It was like Royce Lewis and Hunter Green, Brendan McKay. Bryce Terang, was he in that one? He was. He, he fell. fell. He like was 21. Bryce Terang was originally projected higher than Royce Lewis. Yeah. He Bryce Terang was, was the 1-1 one, one for a long time. It happens every year. Then it got to the summer circuit, and there was no power. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they're like, eh. Maybe he's just a glove first, and that's kind of how it's been so far in his career, too. Yeah, they, there's always going to be a guy, Brady Singer is another example, who's like clear number number one pick guy all season long, and then he gets to the draft and they fall to like 18. It's like the Aaron Rodgers thing. I know there so much go. about football. There you go. <laughs> Bring it back. We have to stop talking about Joe Adele. I'm so sad. Black Mike Trout? This is... <laughs> he's going to be on the same team. That's... It's not the same thing. This question is from is from uh, Josh Sperry. That's at Josh underscore Sperry. Two underscores, I think, right? Is it just one or two? That's a long one, yeah. Two underscores. Yeah, that's I a lot. I got you, Josh. There you go. Um, f- first time uh, first time caller, long-time listener. Is a Chio a chip? Duh. Is it? Absolutely. See, I don't know. It's dude. in the chip aisle. It comes in a bag like chips. Well, they have popcorn in the chip aisle. Is popcorn chips? Uh, depends on what popcorn. It's a real question. Like the smart pop, the smart food popcorn. That's not chips. Okay. Well, <laughs> is it chips? No. I'm, not, I'm, well, I'm just playing contrarian no. here because I'm like playing contrarian. But well, there's a thickness component. But listen, Cheetos also makes popcorn, and that's labeled Cheetos popcorn. Sure. Does it say on the bag it's chip? Like I, I've never looked. If only there was some place that I could look up an image. I've of never actually it. paid attention to whether it says that, but the, the answer is yes. It's definitely a chip. You eat it with a sandwich. It's definitely chips. You see, for I just look at the the shape, and to me, it looks like a drumstick. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a cheesy drumstick, but because it's not flat or it's it have like the waves. Like you can make a case of ruffles not even a chip because it's, it's too wavy, man. It's just too wavy. Maybe other better. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about it being a chip on here, but it most definitely is. Josh, the answer is inconclusive. No, it's definitely a chip. The answer is not inconclusive, it's a chip. Wow, okay, so according to Frito-Lay, it is a crunchy cheese-flavored snack. That's so vague. A chip almost always refers to either a potato chip or tortilla chip. Now, this is from Reddit, so this could be our friend Garav just messing with us. (laughs) Did he post that already? He knew. He saw that. No, so, this is that was like a legitimate thread on Reddit. Like, <laughs> is it Cheeto a chip? Yeah. Well, well done, Josh. Yeah, dug deep for that one. Still a chip. Follow up. Is an Oreo a sandwich or is it a cookie? No, that's a cookie. Well, and it even says on the package, like we said, we didn't, didn't know what it says on the package. It's a Cheetos. sandwich cookie. It's a sandwich cookie. It's definitely a cookie. Though. I think I think it's a cookie too. And Josh jumped back in the ring here. The Oreo question was from at Braves Cold Takes, which is doing the Lord's work right now. Uh, related question: Can Oreos be milk's favorite cookie if milk is not an ingredient? It's got to be an ingredient. It's got cream in the middle. Is it like that powdered stuff that they put on like spaceships? Like astronauts just eat like cream from Oreos? If it's got condensed milk or powdered milk as yeah. an ingredient, then it's still milk. No, yeah, that's true. It's it's right there in the name. Much unlike Cheetos. No, that's fair. So I also think that uh, milk's favorite cookie, dynamite marketing. That's really good oh, yeah. advertising. That's Is really that, good. That's probably trademark too. Oh, it, uh, it has to be. So yeah, we we can't steal that. But hot take. 
the gold Oreos better than the traditionals. Really? Yes. No kidding. I've uh, it's also ever, a life hack for anybody who's ever had the unfortunate thing, thing happen of dipping an Oreo in milk and it gets all over your fingers. Mm-hmm. Take a fork, stick it in the middle, and the cream part. That's yeah. It's like making it a s'more or something. That's right. Yeah, that's that's good thinking. Are Oreos s'mores? We're we're, go, we're going so no. Deep here. S'mores have have three different ingredients, not just two. TPS is Milk's favorite podcast. That's right. Second question from uh, Freddy's Gazio. I promise that uh, we would answer this one. Um, here we go. Making love in public, fad or the future? <laughs> um, future? No, it's still a fad. Right? How'd I answer this without giving too much away? I think you just gave away a lot. I mean, every guy does not care. Like, to, to a guy, it literally doesn't matter. If you were to, if you were to ask a guy who hasn't gotten laid in a minute, and you're in church, I'm gonna go, yeah, let's go. That's gonna happen. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it's the future, and say everything in your home is a camera anyway. Your laptop, your phone, your television. You notice I had a binder clip, this binder clip going over the going over the camera on my computer? Just saying. Yeah. And it's saying go watch me work. Just saying. It'd be very boring. My job is so boring. And now the more you're on social media, the more your lives are public. Confirmed. It's the future. I really hope that my mom is not listening Thanks, to this. Thanks, Freddie. Yeah. Gato. Yeah. Jerk. We know who you are. We have no idea who you are. I mean, I guess for cats, it's always public, right? Well, exactly. I think he can get away with asking that question. Is Freddie Gatto a guy? It doesn't matter. I'm just wondering. It's Gatto, but cat is always Gatto. Yeah. That's very sexist of the Spanish language. There's no well, La Gatto. It's all El Gatto. Like there, whether it's a female cat, it's still Gatto. Is that weird for dogs, too? La Gata? Yeah. Very sexist. Huh. Weird. We'll take that up. Where's Mexican Braves fan? When we need him. Mexican Braves fans speak Spanish? Probably. I would imagine so. Uh, I don't think that's a big leap of faith. I'm getting off of this topic now. <laughs> this one is from Andy Harris. That's A at K26DP, one of the best uh, handles in Braves country. Uh, thoughts on the upcoming Dune movie? Uh, it's against my better judgment. I'm cautiously optimistic. It was written by Frank Herbert. Uh, his friends used to call him Doc as well. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't even know that either. Just made it up. Um... <laughs> You know, I've never seen the Dune movie. Neither have I. I never even read the book. Really? Really. Um, I'll probably watch it because I tend to geek out over sci-fi stuff, and I know the history of Dune as being a huge precursor to like a lot of your epics mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of your sci-fi epics. So yeah. I'll probably give it a watch. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big, spanning story. Um, actually, I don't think I finished it. I know I started reading it, but you know, I'm not, I'm not wearing my glasses right now. I can't see anything, right? So I need something with like very big text on it. So I... Um, Val, I got a copy for me and a copy for Val, and I, I, she just blazed through it, and uh, and I never wound up finishing it. But she she finished it. She didn't really care for it. So uh, maybe I'll watch the movie, then go back and read the book, so I'll know what happens. In Could the it be like The Lord of the Rings, where the movie is better than the books? I did not see them. I did not read them either. That's weird. But whatever. I know. I'm sorry. If I, you ever got, like, nine hours to kill, you can watch the first three. <laughs> well, exactly. If you've ever got, like, an entire, you know, an entire full 24 hours and you want to watch 
those and The Hobbit. God, I, it took me like eight months to read The Hobbit. It's like 140 I, I, pages. I love The Hobbit book. Yeah, I mean, awesome. I didn't care for it. Um, I loved it. You're just too old. Too old. Messed up, dude. I can't even swear in my own periscope. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, and then we're going to let you guys go for the night. Thank you so much for everybody. If anybody's still watching, you see? We, we got, got five a, people. Yeah, we got, a, we got a little green heart right there, so thank you for whoever. That's five more that. people than probably should be listening to me. That's true. Well, you and me both. Anthony Traurig, our buddy from Spain, is another green heart. By the way, great takedown and revealing of just how petty and stupid Heyman is, by the way. And if wow. you're that uh, that dumb bimbo that was like following him around, like hoping that he'd give you a handout, um, you should probably take a look at John Heyman's account if you want to say that he breaks news, because that is a very, very loose interpretation of breaking news. Interesting you were referring to the Spanish language as being sexist. It took you three minutes to refer to somebody as a bimbo. <laughs> See, that was the nicer word than what I wanted to say. Well, listen, she may be a wonderful person. She did not come across as a wonderful person. That's true. And she came off as a fangirl who maybe loves John Heyman or had maybe worked with him previously in the past. I think it was. And I just said bimbo is a way of saying, like, an idiot without having to call you an idiot. Like, bimbo has no sexual connotation for me. Um, bimbo just means idiot. If I'm correct, right? Am I correct? That's, you know, like, bimbo is like a dumb blonde, right? Sure. Am I right? You can't pull me into this, man. No, just tell me if that's the meaning of the word, please. I, I think so. Okay, so good enough. Um, to come to the defense and state that, um, like, going in on Anthony and saying, oh, well, I can see why you don't contribute where you do, or, or mm-hmm. you know, yeah. trying, to, trying to double down on it and go in, yeah. uh, when anybody who's ever, like, guessed one thing correctly on Twitter has probably broken more news than John Heyman. Um, good job, Anthony. He did put him in his place and hilarious, confirmed that uh, Anthony hilarious. is not even credentialed, but we love, we love him. We love him. So the final question. Uh, Do we plan on doing more of these? Yes. Yeah. We should. Pretty much any time we meet up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that works for me. So uh, get your questions ready, baseball or obviously uh, non, Life questions. non-baseball related. Uh, we will be asking By Dylan. the way, ladies, if bimbo means something other than what I thought, um, Please don't smack me when you see me. <laughs> or if you do, that's okay. I'm used to it. It's true. Periscope it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For the love of God, can we get to the question? Yes, go ahead. Is potato or fruit or a vegetable? It's neither. It's neither, right? It's a starch. Yeah. It's a tuber. Tuber. It's a yeah. root. Yeah. You see? There you go. It's a root. It's all those things. It's like, because it, what is it? Fruit has seeds on the inside. Mm-hmm. Vegetables don't, right? That's why a tomato is a fruit, not a vegetable. Correct. Same thing with a potato. Potatoes are roots because they grow underneath. I mean, does that make a carrot too, or though? Carrot's a vegetable. I learned about this in the seventh grade. It was so long ago. Every time you make fun of me for being old, I wind up getting indignant, and then I realize, like, oh, yeah, that was literally <laughs> a quarter century ago. I mean, the carrot's technically a tuber, right? I think. Well, is it? Is it really? Oh, we see this, this is where people want to play the game of gotcha. We don't, we don't know anything about vegetables. The potato is most definitely not a vegetable or a fruit. It's no, but most, it's not. Yeah, it's I, was, not. I, was, I kind of tend to think of most starches as not being either, but I guess corn is technically a vegetable. So. Is it? Yes. Y'all tell us. But that'll about do it for us here at the Platinum Sombrero. Thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. We hope you have had as, as wonderful a time as, uh, as we have. And, um, we will wind up doing this again, I'm sure, for everybody who submitted questions during it that we didn't get to. I'm really sorry. I can't see anything. So <laughs> I'm so far away. I have to put my glasses on. I'm starting to get a headache. But thank you guys so much. We will uh, We will talk to you soon. How do I turn this off? <laughs> That's right. Chop on, guys. Hit that. Wait, do we have to hit that X? We'll find out. Uh-oh. 
Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.